of Gold Fantasy Football Podcast, your new favorite fantasy football podcast. Angelo and Gleason here alongside Nick Perillo. Nick, we are now in week 11. Season's flying by. We're actually changing up the podcast a little bit. We got a new segment we're debuting today. But we're, again, like we said last week, this is a stretch run. This is where uh, you put the nose to the grindstone. You got four more games to prove yourself playoff worthy. Now, if you're like myself and somehow a whopping 17-3 and three this season, you're worried about regression. Uh, making some moves maybe I made a couple in my other league but yeah it's just that time of year and luckily for me I'm not sweating making a playoff spot uh, right now uh, in two 12 team leagues one's an 18 playoff the other team's a six but I'm looking pretty good uh, Nick how are you looking uh, right in the middle of the pack every game feels like a playoff game now I gotta just be able to get those wins and keep up with uh, the teams that were uh, you know right around where I am gained a game on a couple teams to tie him at least, but another factor is going to be not only winning the games, but winning the tiebreaker of points scored. Absolutely. My points points scored is a little bit in between right now. A lot of people are close, but like I said, I think I mentioned last week, starting to kind of weed out some of the bad teams. They've been, some teams have been awful lately, so been gaining on them in that aspect, but you know, just need a couple of uh, wins here and there. I think if I can finish, I think there's four weeks left in our regular season. I think if I can finish 500, I think I have a decent chance to make it three and one should put me at a really, really good uh, uh, odds to make the playoffs. Is that a so 12 team league, right? Or 10? Yeah. 12 team. Yeah. Uh, six make playoffs. Six make it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That, that should be the standard. Uh, we're an 18 playoff. I don't know why. It's just how the league has been forever. Uh, I actually did some research into my – this is the league I've been in since 2009. I did some research. I know everyone cares about my fantasy league that I've been doing since 2009, but it's still kind of cool. I went back and looked at – I'm at nine wins in this league. I went back and looked at the amount of times people have gone to 10 wins, even back in the days where we only had six teams. Only 10 instances since 2009 have we gotten to 10 wins in this league. Uh, only five instances of 11 wins. So honestly, at this point for me, while I'd love to win some money uh, and obviously win the title, I, if I end up going like 11 and three, I, 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 which is just me going two and two down the stretch, I'm fine with that. Like I, I'm in a weird spot in both my leagues because you never want to hear the guy at the top of the league uh, crying, oh, this is not good. This is not good. But like, there's a thing is peaking too early. I've done it before, and it happens all the time. You can't, you can't peak too early. You need to like start off fine and then peak as the season goes on. You want to get lucky early and then have that skill late. Definitely, it's it's very hard to maintain uh, a team for an entire year. I saw the best team I'd ever seen last year, um, fantasy wise. I mean, the, the team was actually like ridiculous. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, it was crazy. I think the guy had a top 10 player at every position besides his backup running back. And I mean, his second running back and his second running back was like Ronald Jones, who finished in the top 20 anyway. But the problem with that team was ran into a team in the playoffs where his team still played well. It put up like a decent amount of points, but just ran into a team that scored a little bit more, which I mean, that team, there was really no regression at all. 
But yeah, like you said, there are teams where it happens and even like a late season injury can just ruin the whole thing for somebody. So really what you want is you want to have an established like roster by the end of the season. And also sometimes I think like we mentioned here, um, it's very, uh, which we're going to change format up a little bit. It's very hard to find people on the waiver wire now. Now, if you don't really have a guy that you're super interested in on the waiver wire, I would suggest not even picking anybody up and waiting to see who does get dropped because sometimes you can find a couple diamonds in the rough uh, when you know pl- when people do get fed up with certain players and they drop them. I won a league one year because Doug Baldwin got dropped uh, at the end of the season, uh, towards the end of the year, because he was always like kind of banged up for the whole year and wasn't really playing that well. I picked him up, had a great last three games, helped me win a championship. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a great way to play it because, you, you know, you don't know what other someone else thinks. You know what they value their players as. And, you know, it might it pays off to be patient sometimes and just being like, all right, cool. I'm going to get this proven commodity. Uh, they could take the risk on the flavor of the month. I'm going to get this guy who you drop because he's just having a little bit of a rough stretch. Uh, but, yeah, like we said, we're switching it up. We're going to switch out our take shopping uh, to buy and sell, which is a take kind of itself. But I think it's more practical as we get to the playoff push. Uh, if you aren't happy with your team, and again, waivers are kind of thin now, most uh, fantasy league trade deadlines are December 1st. And that's when you kind of want you want your moves to be done between now and that time. Uh, so if there's a guy that you like that's kind of on the bench or on the fringe of another team, you think of a trade you like. Again, I, I did a couple trades today uh, because, again, you're just trying to fi- either fight off regression or get that edge to push you over the top. Find guys that are going to peak come playoffs. Like, look at those schedules now. This is the time where you want to look at the schedules uh, more so than before. But let's just get into it with our buys and sells. And I'll just go first. And I'm going to, again, talking about my own team, a guy that I bought on, uh, bought stock today, bought stock a couple weeks ago, Saquon Barkley. I just like the guy uh, in terms of just a pure volume. The owner of Saquon Barkley who drafted him in the first or second round, he went third in my league, uh, in one of my leagues. And he's got two pretty good games. He has a 15-point game and a 24-point game in standard scoring. But outside of that, it's been less than seven every week. Got Hart week five. We have not seen him since week five. And, you know, he's supposed to be coming back this week against Tampa Bay. Yeah, tough, tough run defense. But Vita Vea is banged up. Uh, Come down to the playoffs from week 16 through 18. He's got Philly, Chicago, and Washington. All those defenses they can run on. And if you look at the numbers, again, in those two games where he went over uh, 15 points, uh, 16 carries, 13 carries, and also involved in the passing game, 13 targets combined in both those games. But the thing that makes me feel really good about this is what Devontae Booker has done in his stead. Devontae Booker, since Saquon went out, has uh, four out of five games over 10 points, three games where he's gotten 12, uh, almost 12 exactly. And he's getting a pretty solid workload. He's gotten 16, 12, 14, 15, and 21 carries in the five weeks without Saquon. And even the passing game, 4, 4, 3, 6, 3. They're giving Devontae Booker this volume. Imagine what Saquon's going to be able to do with it. I love that upside. Jets are kind of rounding into a form. They're not a good team, but they're like a good, bad team. And so Saquon being the running back there who's going to get all the touches, just a perfect guy to buy low on and send somebody out. I got him for Terry McLaurin and Christian Kirk. I mean, that was the price I got him for. Other league, it's just really big trade. But he's a guy that's gettable. And if you can afford him, a spare a couple of receivers, or maybe you have another running back that's maybe a cons- more consistent, you-, you could probably get Saquon on your team if you want him. Yeah, it is tough, I think, for people to uh, part ways with Saquon just because if you had him this year, 
you probably invested a high pick on him, probably a second round pick, but also, um, you know, the value you had behind that pick, you probably thought, you know, there's a lot of teams that might even have like a number one and like a consensus number one with Saquon and probably thought, you know, if he stays healthy, if he can just, you know, get through the season, you know, I can have him. So it might be tough to maybe at least trade for him just because if you've invested so much time letting him sit on your bench, you might want something really good for it. But like you did mention, Saquon can be a complete X-Factor league winner just because he's going to come back these next couple of games. Not that the Giants are really going anywhere, but the volume that Devontae Booker has been getting is something that uh, looks good for Saquon. It means, you know, the line's been blocking a little bit better. Obviously, Daniel Jones has been using uh, his running backs uh, in the past game, like you just mentioned more. And, you know, when you have Saquon out there, um, I believe his contract is it up at the end of this year. I think it is. He's off his rookie deal. So, you know, he's got a lot to play for down the stretch just to show that he can still be somewhat of an elite running back or like good enough to have a good spot and niche on a team next year. So there's a lot of important, uh, you know, games coming down the stretch just for Saquon Barkley as an individual player. Uh, going to my buy player, though, I'm going to go with um, Leonard Fournette. I think he's a guy who people might have been uh, a little bit weary of drafting this year just because last year uh, in Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones kind of probably like he had the better overall season, I would say. But Leonard Fournette really came alive in the playoffs. And we've seen a ton of times it happens in really all sports where sometimes you get a playoff hero going into the next season. You might kind of, you know, have some question marks about that guy. But Fournette's been a really, really good piece uh, for the Buccaneers this year. Kind of showing flashes of uh, his rookie season when he was with uh, Jacksonville. Had a really good rookie year there. But he's been catching the ball a lot. And even with all those weapons on the Buccaneers offense, um, I know AB hasn't been in uh, the past couple of weeks. He's had his nagging injuries. But even with all those receivers, the Buccaneers still do get him involved, even if they're not running the ball at a high volume. He still has uh, set plays and, you know, set, um, you know, scenarios where they do use Fournette. So Fournette's actually been a very consistent contributor this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers and you kind of think that he's back on the Jaguars with some of the games they said. Like that New England game, he had 20 carries. Philadelphia, 22. Chicago, 15. Um, the guy's been getting a lot of touches. I think that he's a good – when that offense is clicking, he fits right into it as an enforcer more or less. Like, because it's a very – Modern offense with that receiver receiving core, very talented, very skilled guys there. And he's just this bowling ball of a running back. So it gives him that versatility. If you're kind of worried about him and you still want to kind of hedge your bets with him, uh, a guy you might want to target is Ronald Jones because uh, he's a guy that a lot of people are also frustrated with, might be on waivers in your league. So if you're going to look to acquire Leonard Fournette, maybe not a bad idea to put in a claim for Ronald Jones this week. Moving on to my sell, uh, and this hurts me to do because he's another guy that I'm invested in. Is It's uh, Mike Williams. And, Nick, I have a question for you. So yep. Mike, Mike Williams has played nine games this season and the bye in week seven. How many games did he neither boom or bust? Just a normal game. Just a regular game. I would almost guarantee it was zero. You would be correct. You win the prize. Mike Williams, boomer bust to the max. In the first five weeks, that was great because he had four booms uh, and half point PPR, 32 points, 29, 18, and 18. Fantastic. It was great. It was ran high. He Sure, he had that one point, uh, one point stinker against Las Vegas, but who cares? He had all those other great games. Uh, since the, Cleveland, the insane Cleveland game where he had 16 targets, eight catches, 165 yards, and two touchdowns, 
has yet to eclipse five catches in a game, has yet to eclipse six targets in a game, has yet to eclipse 60 yards in a game, and has yet to score a touchdown. I don't know what this offense looks like. It's been struggling in recent weeks. Uh, Oddly consistent outside the Baltimore game where they scored six. They've scored 24, 24, and 20. But this just this offense does not look like it did to start the season. The start of the season, it looked very potent, getting big yards, big plays. And that was including Mike. Now that Mike's not really a part of the offense, it's kind of been very meh and very boring. Uh, you'd like to see him get on the ball. I don't think it's going to get fixed. I'm just very bullet, uh, bearish on his outlook. And it sucks because he's one of the most fun guys to watch when he's doing well on your team. But man, when you start him and he's beginning these stinkers, it just hurts every week. Yeah, it definitely sucks because he's starting to almost like you see like the regression of him being used as that deep threat guy back when like I kind of knew what Mike Williams was before the season. I made a trade for him after week one because I was I really needed a like a receiver. And I was like, fine. I was like, I'll just see what happens with Mike Williams because you know I was backing really on more Herbert than him. But he really has gone back to kind of not getting all those targets and those like running those good routes. It's a lot of over the top stuff. A couple weeks ago, his week got saved because he had a like a he had two catches on the day, but he had a fifty six yard reception downfield. Um, but it, you just can't live like that when you have a guy like if he was a flex guy, yeah, sure. But a lot of people, including me, are relying on him to be like a number one receiver or a high high end number two receiver. So you really want him to maybe get back into that kind of groove. I don't know if it's going to happen. I really hope it does. But the only silver lining I'll say is when you, I've watched some of the games, they have been trying to get him involved in the red zone. At least they've been trying. I saw a couple, like uh, there was a couple of plays where they were just Herbert was looking straight for him on a couple fades, a couple of those quick little delayed, like slant routes where he just puts his body and shields and tries to get in the end zone. But, you know, they were some good defensive plays against him, some broken up passes, so obviously didn't get into the end zone. But that's the only thing I would say is that the offense does seem like they're trying to get him involved and just get him a little, like, kickstart and maybe, hey, let's get him in the end zone and see if we can work from there. Yeah, I, definitely, because he's just such a huge dude. But, like, when you're playing across the ball from Keenan Allen, who is a better route runner than Mike and roughly the same size, not, as that, not the athlete Mike is, but just a very smart player. It more makes, reliable. He's just very reliable. Um, would be a guy that if you like myself, I am down on Mike Williams. Maybe you try and trade for Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he still has enough value where I think you can get something decent for him. Uh, my sell is going to be the uh, Las Vegas Raiders backfield. Either guy, I'd say Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been getting more of the carries, but even so. Both guys just really haven't gotten anything uh, going on the ground this year. And the whole thing with the Raiders offense is it's been a weird offense, just to say the least, because, I mean, Derek Carr has been really good, like, passing the ball. But you got a weird receiving core there with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and, uh, you know, Brian Edwards. But I'd say where you're selling low on uh, the Raiders running backs, you're buying on the Raiders offensive air attack because Hunter Renfro's looked really good in past weeks. Carr's been putting up good numbers. So I just think the way that that team is designed right now, it's going to be the Raiders trying to throw the ball and just outscore teams. Um, I don't really think they're going to be as – they're not as a methodical team like we saw on Monday night with the 49ers, who ran the ball probably a million times and ate up a ton of clock. 
the Raiders are going to throw the ball more. And I just, I'm not buying Jacobs or Kenyon Drake to really do anything for the rest of the season. I agree. It's more like Hunter Renfro's running back there. He's the guy getting a lot of these underneath routes. They're trying to get Waller in the game with the short stuff, but you know, teams are kind of cluing in on that. But yeah, like Jacobs and Drake are very much mediocre. They're kind of sca- uh, scavenging from one another. If there's one guy gun to my head, I'd want on my team. It'd probably be Jacobs just because I think he's going to get more touches. Drake seems to be a little bit more fluid, but you know, Jacobs has been hurt this year. So it's just really a mess all around. And obviously you can't forget that whenever Pam Barber gets plugged in, and he's been plugged in twice already. The guy produces. It's just an, it's a headache that you probably want no part of. If you have anyone that you're trying to pawn off, maybe you try and pawn off Jacobs for a mid-tier wide receiver. Uh, maybe like a guy like Naeem Hines you can snag with that trade. But yeah, it's uh, it's ugly in that backfield. Uh, moving on to our free agent list. This is going to be ads and drops. Yes, despite the fact that we are so deep in the season, there are still guys on the waivers to add. First guy I'm going to tell you to add is going to be a guy that does not excite anyone. It's Wayne Gallman. Yes, Wayne Gallman. It's just this. First of all, the Falcons' offense is a mess. It's very hard to predict. They're running for the Cordell Patterson's been their best player. It's a mess. I get it. Patterson's hurt though, and he's probably not playing on Thursday. Who knows if he's playing the week after? But Cordell Patterson is due some regression. Now, if you are a Mike Davis believer like myself, kind of sucks seeing what Cordell's doing, and Mike Davis is kind of toiling away, and Wayne Gallman actually outsnapped him this week, so that's kind of why I'm in on Gallman. Uh, especially with running back, it's hard to find guys this late in the season, but maybe if Gallman just carves out a niche and maybe if this Falcons offense starts looking pretty good, uh, maybe he's a guy you start in your flex or at the worst case, maybe start him at RB two and you hope he gets 10 points. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh, like you'd mentioned with Mike Davis, he's really not getting anything going beginning of the year. He actually was involved in the past game a little bit. But Cordell Patterson kind of stunted all that growth that was going on from Mike Davis. And Wayne Gallman outsnapped him. Beginning of the season, I was a little bit concerned. We talked about it actually, a little bit concerned that Wayne Gallman might eat into, into Mike uh, Davis's workload. But the problem with Mike Davis is every time he gets the ball, it's like a struggle just watching him get a couple yards. Whereas Wayne Gallman hasn't really played at all this season. And from what uh, you know, his stat box said, it looks like he did pretty well on the ground, had a decent yards per attempt. So we'll see going uh, forward. If you're really in a pinch, I don't think it's a horrible guy to pick up, especially because there are a couple more buys uh, happening uh, this week and the next couple weeks. So teams will still still need running backs. And if you're a team who went with like a zero RB strategy, you know he's not a bad guy to try to fill in for the next couple of weeks. Going to my first ad, I'm going to also have a guy, uh, another running back. It's going to be Ramondre Stevenson, someone who we've talked about on the show before. Whereas I were, well, like you said, Wayne Goldman, I think is a little bit safer of a bet, at least to get some action the next couple weeks. Stevenson, I think is a little bit more boom or bust just because you don't know what the Patriots are going to do on offense with the ball. Um, Bolden's not hurt, correct? He's a little bit banged up, but he's kind of been breaking case of emergency. Yeah, yeah, he had a decent game, I think, on Sunday. But Stevenson is the one who got uh, a lot of the work at a really, really big game, I think over 27-plus points in a PPR format. So, like we mentioned, thin out there, but I think that's your other best option at running back. He'd probably be the consensus guy to pick up. But just with all the problems, with all the like 
question marks the Patriots uh, backfield always has. It's always kind of a, a weird thing to pick up uh, any kind of Patriot running back. And considering uh, Damian Harris is hurt, but when he was uh, the starter there, he was getting a good, uh, steady workload. But the whole Patriot offense, I think, is while they're clicking in a real football sense, fantasy wise, it can it's a, it's a little bit of an odd offense to kind of forecast. Yeah, I, except I think that I do like this backfield from a fantasy perspective. I think all their like Harris is a RB, a very solid RB two, but I do think Stevenson is a flex that's got RB two upside, and Bolden himself is at least a, a dart throw as that, you know, break in case of emergency running back that gets enough touches. Like, they they always game plan for him. They get they manufacture him snaps. He got six uh, touches for 70 yards, three of them being catches for 10 points in PPR. Uh, but, yeah, Stevenson has just always been a guy that people have talked up with the Patriots. Like, they've always said that Stevenson's the guy this year. Uh, I, maybe Belichick likes him. Great pass catcher. He can even run the ball a little bit better than Bolden can. Uh, just a fascinating player and a guy that, you know, if Harris is going to be banged up like he's been banged up the past month-ish, uh, Stevenson can get a real nice role. And if it, Mac Jones is really Tom Brady incarnate, which as a Jets fan and a Dolphins fan on this podcast, we do not want. Uh, yeah, that's going to be good for Stevenson. Moving on to my second guy to add. We're going to the receiver position, and it's a guy that not a lot of people are probably going to know. It's Marcus Johnson. If you don't know Marcus Johnson, that's okay. He's the Tennessee third wide receiver behind Julio. Uh, Julio's on IR. He came out, had five catches for 100 yards. I just kind of like his upside. Julio's not exactly set the world on fire. There are three games this season where Marcus Johnson has had five targets, and he's got a nice match against Houston this week. I don't think New England's going to game plan to take him away, and then he goes into a bye but very nice schedule down the stretch with San Francisco, Miami, and Houston. If Julio gets shut down this year, I, there's something about AJ Brown that makes me, you know, hold my breath. I want to get really invested and excited about AJ Brown, but at the same time, he's had a pretty rough season. Marcus Johnson might be a guy that kind of emerges down the stretch and could be a league winner. I completely agree. I was just gonna say he it's it's this type of like scenario that he's in where, like you said, like a league winner type of guy where unknown guy right now owned in 0.1% of leagues. I think it has on roster on ESPN, but he's a little bit more flashy. I would say than uh, not like, not in the sense that Julio Jones isn't like, you know, an athletic freak, but the, what I think Julio Jones's regression this year is due to is that, you know, that he's got that step missing. He's a little bit older. And like we, like I've said before, in the NFL and these certain, uh, you know, sports, like even the NBA where they're like, you know, a lot of it is your skill and your quickness and your speed. He's lost that step, which is separating him from other cornerbacks being able to cover him. So Julio Jones hasn't been able to get the separation. Maybe we've seen in the past from him where Johnson here, new guy, probably really hungry to play, had a great game, great success. And with Derrick Henry gone, the Titans have to figure it out somehow. Maybe they won't score the most points in the league, but maybe if they try to switch up that offense to kind of be like a West Coast offense with short passes and just try to move the ball methodically, you could see Johnson being able to pay dividends, at least in a PPR sense, maybe get a lot of catches, a lot of targets, maybe be that kind of underneath guy that the Titans need. I do want to leave with this caveat, though. Uh, now, both me and Nick are in 12-team leagues. Usually the standard league is 10, so they're going to be guys. These might be guys way down the waiver wire for you. Yeah. 
Uh, if there's anyone that seems right, like Rashad Bateman is a guy that I'll flag or Cole Beasley. Those are guys that could be on the waivers. And if there's a guy that's projected more than 10 points, please go out and get him before you get the guys that we're naming. Our yeah. guys are pretty deep stashes and I do like their upside even in 10 team leagues. But if I could, if you told me I could go pick up Cole Beasley on waivers right now. I'd yeah, I'd take Cole Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot more uh, options in a 10 team league. But going over to my um, my ad, going to be someone who we've talked a little bit about on this show. As we just mentioned, um, probably someone who on a 10-team league gets down a little bit in the waiver wire, but I'm going to go with Robbie Anderson. I think that Robbie Anderson is someone who really we a lot of people thought was going to pay dividends with having Sam Darnold back this year. That uh, came to a crashing halt probably about after week one. He had a really good week one since then, really hasn't done anything except last week, got in the end zone uh, again uh, on the season. But I just think maybe with Cam being there, it changes something for Robbie Anderson, maybe reignites the Panther offense a little bit. We did see them put up a ton of points on Sunday against Arizona. They had Cam used in the red zone, which, I thought was something that the Patriots could have easily benefited from, but you know, I don't know if Cam's ego got in the way. Maybe they talked about it, but I think Cam Newton on the, you know, five yard line and uh, up in that red zone is such a dangerous player still. So he's going to be involved in the offense and maybe, you know, gets a little bit of a spark back being there in Carolina. And maybe that helps Robbie Anderson a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there are worse things to do than check down to Robbie and let him work in space. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Cam has left in his arm because that's always been the question for him these past two years is not so much that he doesn't know the game. I think Cam, we o- always underrate his uh, sense for the game. I think he, the guy does understand, like he's a great football mind, just even from like a chemistry standpoint. The guy, even though he took that 15-yard penalty, I think that's more of like being a leader for the team as opposed to a head case and a lot of people would be like, Oh, look at how selfish he is. I don't think that's what it is. I think cam is just a guy who gets the game. Uh, now DJ Moore has been kind of frustrating. He may be a buy low guy, but Robbie, you know, he's got that high up. He's got the high end speed. He's a deep threat. All it takes is one. Think of him like Deshaun Jackson. He's kind of like a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would say more. Yeah. Like a lottery ticket who, if he starts getting going, though, can pay some big dividends in games with big uh, point totals. Uh, moving on to our drops, and you might know, again, we're doing this a little bit shorter because we're doing the uh, buy-sell segment. But my one drop this week, it's Jarvis Landry. So this might not even be Jarvis's fault. Jarvis is coming off a hip injury where they actually shaved down part of his hip in the offseason. So week one, five targets, 71 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Since then, he's had uh, four games over five targets, but has not eclipsed 7.5 points and half-point PPR. I just don't think it's it, – Baker's bit looked rough, and you could say that's because Baker's hurt. I just don't trust Jarvis at this point. I think this is a Browns offense that wants to run the ball and take shots deep, neither of which Jarvis is going to do. And like Donovan Peoples-Jones, I feel like is the better upside guy here. Just a bigger bodied receiver. The Titans get involved. It's just that I think that Jarvis, he's not even a flex. Like it's, it's like the Mike Williams thing, except if Mike Williams was doing the bust every week. Yeah. Jarvis Landry just, he, he never ever does it for me as a fantasy player. I feel like 
people are still kind of bamboozled and hoodwinked that they think he's the same guy who was out there getting like eight catches a game, which he's not anymore. He can never, ever find the end zone, which doesn't help at all. And he's not getting all those catches anymore. Uh, it's been like, you know, he's and he's starting to get a little bit old in age he, where it used to be like, I feel like Jarvis Landry was the guy who was like, oh my God, like, you know, best flex player in the game. Like Jarvis Landry is my flex. Like that's like a good, good flex player to have. But it's not like that anymore. He's nothing more than like probably a backup at this point. Uh, and even like you said, you know, a droppable uh, player this year where the Browns offense is going to kind of be not as explosive as we might have thought. They run the ball a lot. They remind me of like the 49ers offense a little bit. So Jarvis Landry, though, I, I think it's a, a viable uh, guy to drop. My drop is going to be a little someone who's a little bit more easier to drop if he's still on rosters. It's going to be Carlos Hyde. We talked a little bit about it before when we were going over it. Carlos Hyde really is just a bad handy uh, handcuff at this point. He's a handcuff on a bad team where unless James Robinson goes down with a major injury, he has some value, but even at that point doesn't have a ton of value where, I mean, I just don't see it where uh, you would even use him. Like as, as far as I'm concerned, Carlos Hyde might as well just be like a healthy scratch every week as, as long as James Robinson is actually uh, on the roster. And yeah, you could say, oh, by any, like if you're a James Robinson owner, then yeah, you keep Carlos Hyde because it makes you, sense. Yeah. You need to keep the handcuff. Like that's the whole reason. Like I trade, I pay overpaid for Alexander Mass in the league. It's why I've kept Sony Michelle on since week one. And even though I can't start him <laughs> ever, he's there because if Henderson goes down, I need to play him. Same thing, same rule with Hyde. But if you're a guy who does not have James Robinson and you're just rostering Carlos Hyde, hoping and praying every day that James Robinson gets a stinger and is out for three weeks. There are better ways to spend your time. And that name is Wayne Gallman because just, yeah, there's no like go with the guaranteed thing. I can understand waiting and being patient. You could say, Oh, that's part of the game. It's not fun holding the handcuff. If you don't have the starter. Cause it's just like, cause again, whenever it happens, like, yeah, I get to start him for three weeks. Yeah. It's just, it's not fun. It really isn't. It's not a fun way to play the game. The handcuff is only worth it if it's one of those top guys we talk about or if you have them just in case because I did it last year. I drafted Chuba Hubbard. I dropped him after like, you know, the offseason because it's like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's not going to get hurt. And then it came back to bite me in the ass. Uh, not uh, not Chuba Hubbard, excuse me, Mike Davis. And it came back to bite me. So yeah, ha- there are necessary handcuffs. I'll call aside not a necessary, necessary handcuff though. Just want to mention this on the pod. A guy that I really do re- like recommend if you're a big fantasy person, Evan Silva, who's part of uh, Establish the Run, their their production. A guy that tweets out every week his like what his thoughts are, and the guy is you know someone that I value his opinion on. He I, I think he's got a good pulse. But a couple of things that he's noticed this past week: Cortland Sun had five catches in three has five catches in three games since Jerry Judy returned. I know we mentioned Cortland Sun at the top of the pod as a guy that was possibly a sell. Uh, Definitely kind of stats to back it up. Also high on Marcus Johnson. And then also Jalen Hurts holding strong as a QB7. So just quick quick notes from Evan Silva. I'll pluck him at Evan Silva. Just a guy that I value his opinion on. But yeah, let's go into our Thursday night uh, heat check. I'm going with both the quarterbacks. I'm going Mac Jones and Matt Ryan. I tend to think that you can ignore defenses for the most part when it comes to certain players, especially quarterback. I think for the most part, you're looking at either regression or trends for Mac Jones coming off a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, he had a couple of stinkers against the Chargers and the Panthers, but against an Atlanta defense, it isn't that great with the Patriots rounding into form and all the smoke that's going up their butts. 
you know, I think that's a serviceable start, especially if you have Matt Stafford on a bye. Ditto for Matt Ryan. Uh, he had 2.7 points this past week uh, against Dallas, or depending on scoring system, I saw in my league he had 0.6. Not good. So you figure he's due for a bounce back, uh, at, at least like a 17, 18 point game. Again, if you have a guy on a bye, I think you do worse than both these quarterbacks. I was going to actually ask you, Angelo, your opinion. What do you think? I have Matt Stafford on a bye. A much needed bye, by the way. He's had two really bad games. Do I go with the de facto like bye week quarterback in Kirk Cousins? Or do you think I take a gamble on Mac Jones on Thursday night? Ooh, that's tough. That's real tough. I mean, man. I think, I, you know what? I, I, here's what I'll say. I go Mac Jones, and here's why. You're a Dolphins fan. We're, I'm a Jets fan. Mac Jones being good is, is bad for both of us. At the very least, if Mac Jones is good, he can at least do it for your fantasy team. If he's bad, we can... If he's bad, you can point and laugh at the Patriots. I guess that's one way to look at it. It's going to be a tough. I'm, I'm leaning towards Kirk just because uh, maybe like like it, it's it's not guaranteed, but like it's, it's a better chance of him getting like 16 points where Mac Jones might not. But I'm gonna I'm gonna think about it because I've I've been mulling it over a little bit because I need a quarterback this week. But I'm um, going to my hots uh, for Thursday night. I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers. Guy's got to score a touchdown at some point. He did. He scored right? this past week. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> but you well, know what? Why, why make it let's one? Get, let's go keep two. the train rolling. Might as well go two for two, get a touchdown. Um, and then I'm going to go with uh, – let's go with Wayne Gallman. Not a lot to love from the Falcon offense, but with Cordell Patterson being gone, someone's got to fill that role. And I think Wayne Gallman does a better – he'll do a better job at at least being able to run out of the backfield and catch than Mike Davis. So we'll go with our, our guy who we uh, have as a pickup this week in Wayne Goldman. I like the plug. I like the plug. But that will do it for the Flux of Gold Fantasy Football Podcast. For Nick Perillo, I am Angelo Melissa. And as always, we hope it pans out for you.